Hey guys, um, this is Pastor Ezra. We're here with you today because we wanted to give you a special gift for Mother's Day. Um, I'm here with several of the of the pastor's wives, and uh, these guys get together on a regular basis and talk about life, share life together. Um, you guys talk about all kinds of real issues that you guys deal with. Um, um, being a wife, being a mom, like being individuals, having dreams of your own, like how to manage all of those things about uh, life. And these guys talk about those things all the time. And we wanted to give all the moms out there a chance to kind of get in on that conversation and share some of what these guys talk about with everyone. So we're going to get started here um, with just, uh, just, I want you guys to introduce yourselves and uh, let us know a little bit about your context and your family. Um, I'm Michelle Wimberly, and we have uh, three sons. Our oldest is 11, our middle son is nine, and um, our baby boy, ever growing, is six. Not that baby anymore. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm Tara Dietz Creek, married to Brad. Um, our oldest is Finn, he's 15. And then we have Sully, who is 12, and then Killian is 10, and Sawyer, our little guy, is three. So. And I'm Heidi Bogue, and um, Jeff and I have six children, and I always mess up their ages, so I will just tell you that they range from 8 to 16, so yes, 6 and 8 years, it's a little nuts. Um, we had four boys, a girl, and then a boy, and so it's Josiah, Isaac, Micah, Gabriel, Naomi, and Eli. My name is Lori Rodman. I'm married to Ryan, and we have four children. Uh, Uriah is eight. Isabella is seven, Eden is almost five, and a three-year-old little girl, too. And I'm Lois Fisher. I'm married to Richard, and we have two children. Uh, Amanda is 38, and Sean just turned 37. And I'm also a very, gra uh, very proud grandma. They call me Bama. Nice. And we have seven <laughs> grandchildren. Ewing is 13. Logan is 11, Alyssa is 9, Bethany is 7, and then they have another little one that's 2. His name is Josiah, and our son and his wife have 2. Lucas is 7, and their little one, Ethan, is 7 months. Oh, that is awesome. Just put me to shame. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's good. I, I thought Olivia was three and she's two. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, real. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. How old is she? Yeah. Almost three. Yeah. Not so, even. <laughs> one of the reasons why I wanted to get you guys together and share with them, because there's a lot of pressure on moms like these days about to, to get it right. So what happens if you... Like if you choose the wrong thing, if you choose the wrong school or you don't discipline them in the right way or you don't get them involved in the right activity or you don't give them the right kinds of freedom and suddenly you mess up your kids and they're ruined forever, right? <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's like that kind yeah. of pressure. Like yeah. you guys feel that. And mm -hmm. like, so, I mean, I've, I hear the conversation on the, on the school schoolyard and, and between moms and I think that is so much pressure of like, mm -hmm. of that uh, you put on yourselves, that other, that... Uh, other moms put on each other and um, and to get it all right. And what I've really appreciated about is that there um, there's not just a one right way. There's actually several kinds of ways that like God can lead a family in that can be right situation for the family. And mm -hmm. and I just wanted to hopefully share some of your guys' point of view with all the moms out there to let them. Uh, 
uh, be able to see all different kinds of ways that they can they can follow the Bible and develop convictions uh, with the leading of of the, the Holy Spirit in their life to be excellent parents for their kids, mm-hmm. and they don't have doesn't have to look like your family doesn't have to look like our family or whatever. So, so I want to jump right into it. So let's talk about um, the idea of discipline. Obviously, it's, it gets a little different from like when they're younger to when they're older. Um, but let's talk about discipline. It's a big topic um, of how to guide your kids that way. So, Heidi, why don't we start with you? Um, why don't you kick us off? Sure. Um, I think Jeff and I have found, you know, with our kids that the, the harder we work when they're young to discipline them, the easier it is as they grow. And, um, you know, I know that when they're two and three, sometimes it feels like that's all you're doing is, is a lot of discipline and, and um, just a lot of time goes into it. But we have just found that the more we're consistent with that and the more that we're, we have expectations of a certain behavior or a certain heart change, I think when they're young, it's more about behavior. As they mm-hmm. grow older, it's much more about their heart, you know, so it requires just being more in tune with each of our children. Um, that really the easier it becomes. And, and we've even noticed that the more children that we've had, the easier it's been because we've ingrained a certain culture in our, li- in our family. And, you know, like Eli, for instance, doesn't always have to play with fire to find out because he can see that the other brothers did, you know? And so he doesn't always have to find everything out for himself, yeah. which makes it a little easier, yeah. you know? So when they're younger, it's it's that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a lot. It's that in the intensity. Yeah. Do you guys find that that it's pretty intense when it's like when they're younger that you have to be like really involved with those kinds of things? I think it's when they're younger, it's more about it's pretty much directly about obedience. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much all about obedience. And I feel like when they get a little bit older, it's more character training. So you're trying to feel those out. And I feel like those situations are a little bit more difficult to figure it out. It's not just like you do this, you get a consequence, but how do I encourage my kids to be generous or um, a good friend, you know, Mm -hmm. or things like that? I think those, it takes a lot of time and knowing your kids. It can feel exasperating when you're doing that over and over, disciplining when they're really young over and over. Um, I thought it became easier to discipline our younger kids when I saw the fruit of what it did. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, wow, you know, this did work. And I think it was motivating <laughs> yeah. to yeah. continue disciplining at that toddler age um, because you want them, you want to be worthy of them to follow you. You know, mm-hmm. as, you follow, as you're following God, um, you want them to want to follow. In that. And so the consistency is the, you know, as opposed to uh, disciplining all over the place, if they know that, you're going to expect the same thing over and over. It helps them win. And along with that consistency, I feel like it's so important for both parents to be on the same page because we went through some years where, you know, one of us or both of, you know, we were not on the same page with things. And we saw the effects of that. The kids didn't, they were a little lost, you know, and they didn't know who to go to um, or who to listen to. And I think that's so important to be clear, communicating together before you discipline or, you know, kind of set your standard out you yeah. know together and so you guys i hear a little bit of a trend of like you're talking about consistency but you're are you talking about consistency of like it's always this consequence for this action or what's the where would you find the consistency is important i think the consistency comes in the fact that 
if you disobey, there will be a consequence. Okay. Not necessarily that the consequence will always be the same. You know, at least in, in our family, it seems, especially now that they're older, everything's much more situational. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, if, if a consequence needs to be given out, it might not be even dished out at the moment. We might need to talk about it. You know, we might need to let our child know that we're going to be thinking about this or maybe even ask them, you know, what kind of consequence do you think is appropriate for this, you know. But it's definitely the consistency of if you disobey something will follow, (laughs) you know, we'll figure out what that is. But I think a lot of those early years, too, are about establishing your authority as a parent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just really making sure that our kids understand that, yeah, we are the God-given authority over you, and pretty much what we say goes. You know, that doesn't have to be like in a dictatorship kind of a way, but I think that provides security for our children because they are not having to figure out things for themselves, they know that, you know, we are that safety net for them. Yeah. How about you, Lois? Um, you're way into this, uh, this <laughs> discipline. I mean, you're the one that actually did it well. Actually, we all, we all really honor you. You have two God-fearing mm-hmm. um, children with uh-huh. God-fearing yeah. families of their own. So. Well, um, it's interesting to see how our children now are disciplining their children and whenever we spend time with them, we want, to, um, we want to build up our children in the way that they're disciplining their children. I, I personally don't like, you know, um, the little saying, grandma's the name, spoilin's the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I want to honor my children, our children, and say, you know, if this is their standard of discipline, I want to... Um, go along with that and and build them up and encourage them so that the grandchildren see that it's not just mom and dad being hard on them, but it's, you know, other people in their, in their lives are also following that too. And I think it shows that it's a generational thing, mm-hmm. that you are supporting them and you really want the best for them. As a parent, you, you look at this little baby and you say, well, in... 18 years, what will be the fruit of the things that I've done with this child? Mm. So it's very important to have a long-range view rather than just the day-to-day. And I know when you have little kids, and our, our children were 19 and a half months apart, and I felt like, what, what was I doing all day but changing diapers and feeding children and cleaning up messes? Mm. And I said, well, what, what will I do beyond that? Um, Our children now are 37 and 38. It goes so quickly. Mm. And um, this too shall pass. And you will have a lot more things that you can do for yourself. And uh, But during the the time of young children, just have have a view of the future. And also just have another person, an older person, that can help you see that. And instead of just thinking... What, what is my purpose in life? And uh, it's just really important to have a view of the future. Yeah. With your, um, so, I mean, it is very exasperating. Laura, you kind of mentioned that. It's like exasperating, especially when, especially when they're younger, like those mm-hmm. kind of elementary school years or even younger, that's, that's like that you're, it's, they're kind of like constantly on you. So obviously they're going to make you mad for like 
right? I mean, they're going to push your buttons in, <laughs> yeah. in, all the, in all the wrong ways. A lot of so, chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of chocolate. How do you how do you keep from how do you keep from disciplining out of anger? Mm. I just I had an instance the other day, and I had to like. I felt like I was like raging inside, you know. I just had to like leave the room, calm myself down because I felt like I was gonna have a temper tantrum, in a way, you know. <laughs> I was gonna start freaking out um, because, yeah, I, you know, my my dad always said like the one regret he always remembers when he spanked me out of anger, you know, this one mm-hmm. time. And so I never want to do that, and I don't want to have regrets. So like I want to calm myself down, and yeah. Yeah. So you've had to take time to calm yourself down, yeah. or like I'm uh, usually honest. With my kids in that situation, like we would, ha- I would have them, you know, take a chill out if they needed to go calm down, and I would say, you know, I need to chill out, and, <laughs> and I need to go calm down. I'm just, I also apologize to my kids if I, you know, yell at them out of anger and stuff like that. I'm just, just throw it all out there. Moms mess up yeah. too. I think we all have <laughs> moments yeah. that we're not, we're not proud of. Yeah. You know, we all have moments that I know that I can look back and know that ah. Oh, I shouldn't have handled that this way, you know. And, um, yeah, I think it, it takes just humility and, and mm-hmm. going before your children and saying, you know, I really screwed that up. I shouldn't have acted that way. I was disobedient to the Lord. You know, will you forgive me, you know. And, and it's amazing how forgiving our children are, you know, and that they see that whole cycle. They see you working through it. And I think that that actually teaches them that, you know, this is, this is how I need to behave when I mess up too, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the pressure to be perfect yeah. is like, it, it, it's unreasonable. Mm-hmm. You cannot be perfect, mm-hmm. but you can be obedient to the Lord mm-hmm. as you expect them to be, mm-hmm. right? So that when you mess up, you can, that's amazing. I had a, a conversation with my children not too long ago about this, my younger ones. And I asked them, I said, you know, there's times where I've done things where I'm not real proud of, you know. Can you guys think of times like that? And (laughs) I know, by God's grace, they said, no, Mom. (laughs) Oh, I don't know, you know, maybe they were just being really nice. But I thought, wow, you know, that's, that's wonderful that they that they were able to forgive and really, you know, see beyond some of our mistakes, you know. I think that when um, our children wrong someone else or we, we wrong someone else, we need to ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And something I learned is that you don't want to just say, oh, that's okay that you um, spoke mean to me or whatever. You need to say, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Just those words of mm-hmm. saying, I forgive you. And if you wrong your children and you say, will you please forgive me, ask them in their heart when you're ready, will you please say that you forgive me? Because I think that just, that teaches a lesson more than just the issue at hand, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't brush it under the carpet. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't teach it you, like, that's fine, okay. we just move on. Yeah. You're like, no, it's right. not. Like, mm-hmm. we, when we wrong each other, that's, that's really great. Let's shift gears a little bit here. So, like, it, we probably could talk, any of these subjects we can talk about all day long. Obviously, they're very deep. So there's a lot of pressure in, in for, for mothers and for families to figure out what to do about the school issue. Do you, do you homeschool? Do you public school? Do you, do you private Christian school? Do mm-hmm. you? So what do you guys do about that whole situation? Michelle, you want to kick us off on that topic? <laughs> sure. Um, we, uh, we send our kids to public school. They're um, in Akron Public Schools. 
And um, I think, I mean, it's a decision every parent makes and it's hard, you know, to, you have to weigh out all kinds of things um, trying to make that decision. Uh, something that both of us really value is that our kids meet a lot of different kinds of people. Um, so people of different ethnic backgrounds, from different incomes, people um, even with different religious beliefs. Um, I feel like we just, uh, we just want that for our kids and want them to be comfortable with different kinds of people. And I feel like public school is a um, kind of an avenue where that happens very naturally. Um, and that has happened. Our school is um, pretty diverse in almost every way, the elementary school they go to. And so, um, but it takes like, uh, because they're exposed to different worldviews, um, we have to stay really connected with what they're learning and who they're meeting and um, kind of walk alongside them with the truth of the Bible, um, just to kind of decipher uh, for them how they interpret those things, like as they learn them. So I like that they're going through that when they're young and we're right there and we're able to kind of coach them through the things that they see. Um, and that's one, one of the reasons why we like public school for our kids. Um, and also just, uh, it's been great for us just to be a part of our neighborhood community that way, sending our kids to the neighborhood school that's right down the street. Like we've been able to meet a lot of our neighbors and, um, make a lot of friends in the community. And I think public school has been a way for us to do that. That's kind of accelerated that in our life. And, um, that's been really good for us. I can, I can speak to that. Um, we've chosen to homeschool. Uh, my background is in education, so I felt like I had wanted to use what I was equipped to to educate my kids. Um, but I feel like being a ministry family, it, it was a, um, a big influence in that decision because we're here a lot on the weekends. And so I felt that, um, you know, if Ryan is going to be home on Thursday, it gave our family a lot of freedom to spend family time on that day as opposed to um, and moody classes are on Saturdays. Like, however that works, it gives our family a lot of freedom to do school wherever, whenever, um, whenever it's convenient. And um, I also think, um, like, one of, one of our heart, my, one of my heartbeats for homeschooling is I want to help our kids have a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I want them, um, to, in the same way you said, Michelle, I want to expose them to um, to the world and to all different types of um, cultures too, because I just personally love that stuff. But um, I want them to have a biblical worldview, and I love that. I, I selfishly, I love that I gain that time with them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's because I love to be with them. You know, when they're being good, I love. To be with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I think too, just helping helping cultivate their own personal desire for learning, what they like to do, what their interests are. Um, as far as schooling goes, I feel like we, gives a lot of homeschooling for me gives a lot of freedom, and um, that's kind of nice. It's a benefit to, to, uh, to our family. Yeah, so you guys homeschool for freedom. Do any of you guys ever try homeschool? Anybody else? Yeah, we've homeschooled. Um, in fact, right now I have three that are homeschooled and three who are in Christian school. Okay. And... Um, you know, we homeschool for a lot of the same reasons, actually, just because of Jeff's, you know, schedule with the ministry and basically our weekends are taken by church stuff, which is great. Um, but we've enjoyed over the years just an opportunity to have Friday together as a family. 
Um, but as they've gotten older, as you know, we have Micah in the seventh grade now, and eighth grade, and then Josiah's a junior, and they're attending CBCA. As they've gotten older, we have, um, you know, we never knew, we never had a plan, like, this is what we're going to do forever. We've kind of taken it year by year. And they expressed an interest to go to school. And, and uh, you know, we've been blessed to be at CVCA. And, um, you know, they're having a great time there. I'm kind of feeling like they're able to, to kind of spread their wings a little bit and, you know, figure out what the world is all about. Although Jeff and I would both say that we never really homeschooled to shelter our children. You know, I, I know some people do for that reason. That was never our motivation. Our motivation was just to have more flexibility in our schedule, you know, and uh, to be able to adapt to their learning styles, to be able to take them on trips. When Jeff travels, he usually grabs a kid and takes them with them, you know, just to have that kind of flexibility. Um, but I think what I've learned over the years on this topic is that no matter what you pick, they're all hard choices. You know, none of it is easy. So if you're a homeschool mom, there's the sacrifice of time. There's a sacrifice of, ooh, there's your day. <laughs> this is what you're doing, you know. Um, if you send them to public school, there's a sacrifice of your evenings, you know, are consumed with the homework and figuring out, like you said, Michelle, being connected with what it is that they're learning, you know. Um, if the, you send them to Christian school or private school, you know, the expense is a big sacrifice. So they're never easy choices, and I know that, you know, no matter what a family chooses, it's, it's ultimately for their child's best interest, you know. And every kid is so different. Yeah. I mean, we had, right now, we have three in private school, but our oldest son, Finn, went for four years at public school, and he was a different kid than, like, our second-born, Sully, you know. Um, so I feel like, yeah, it, it really has to do with the individual and, yeah, like you said, the family what works for your family and everything. It's such a... So you guys end up making different choices based on, like, the kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we did, too. Our daughter, Amanda, uh, went through um, public school. And then our son, Sean, when he hit high school in ninth grade, we put him in a Christian school. Hmm. And it was just, you know your child mm -hmm. and their needs. So that's really what, what we needed to do for for Sean to have him in a Christian school. Yeah, so each of you guys, each of you, you I mean, in your families, obviously this is a unified decision you guys are, are making. Um, you talked a lot about the, uh, the way that it fit your family, that how school fit your family culture, right? Mm -hmm. How you guys were forming that and kind of utilizing the school option mm -hmm. kind of in that. Um, but there's also this other thing, academics, like there's a lot of pressure for kids to perform academically. And, you know, for younger kids, like, the college is a come in or is it or is college coming like mm -hmm. where where is that what about academic performance for you guys how important is that for your families well can i talk about that because yeah. i was a teacher for 23 years <laughs> okay <laughs> and um our our children we, you have to know each child and i would tell parents when i would have conferences with them your child has the ability they're not working up to their ability mm -hmm. or they really don't have a lot of ability, but they are working so hard. Hmm. And so you have to know your child. And um, that's one good thing about having like an achievement test because that will enable you to be able to know, is my child able to get a certain grade point average? Or is my child really not able? And we only had two children and they were both totally opposite of each other. and 
children mature at different times. I remember when our daughter was in fifth grade, all of a sudden, it third or fourth or fifth grade, and she all of a sudden went, oh, if I study and prepare for a test, I'll get better grades. And you're thinking, <laughs> it took you this long <laughs> to figure that out. But everybody is just different. And um, you just have to know your child and encourage them according to their ability. And for some, it takes them a while to sort of get it to click in. And for others, it's just like naturally that they're going to and be a hardworking student. So you have to, again, knowing, knowing your children is so important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, too, what you were saying, Heidi, sometimes I feel like a lot of pressure. Like if, if my kids aren't doing well in school, it's my fault. It's mm -hmm. all on me, mm -hmm. you know, then mm -hmm. I've, I have failed in this way. <laughs> um, but we have also said, like, this is a one-year-at-a-time decision. That's a, one of the benefits to school in general is it's, we're not committing to this for life, or, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and as they grow and change and they have their own opinions and their own, you know, and, they're, and if, they're, if they're growing in maturity mm -hmm. um, and can handle more, then there's, there's a lot of freedom in that, too. You used to travel a lot, too. Like, if Jeff would, you would all right. go, you know, yep. and that would benefit yep. your family, yeah. too. I think for us, more important than academics is the work ethic, you know, mm. and, and it's important that we teach our children that, yes, you need to work hard because let's face it, most of life is about working hard, yeah. most of college. So you wouldn't see it about a grade that they no, got. No, I want to see okay. that, you know, there's an expectation here in this class and are you trying, <laughs> you know, and what, what one child might get in one subject might be different. But as long as they're both applying themselves and, you know, they're not blowing a class off and they're working hard and if, if they're struggling with a concept, they're seeking help, you know, that's the kind of thing that we're after. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, maybe if one child gets a C on a subject, we might be rejoicing, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> we really might. And we might go out and celebrate. Uh, whereas another one, you know, might pull out an A and, wow, just happens, you know. So you try to figure that out with each kid. And, um, but I think what we're really trying to teach them is that, you know, it, it pays to work hard no matter what mm -hmm. you do. Mm -hmm. And most of, most of life is about, you know, sometimes just working hard and having a hard work ethic and just getting the job done, whether you like to or not, yeah. you know. I think too, we try, I've been trying to sell it because our kids are very different too. Like if they are more academic and they do better in that to celebrate that, but then help them celebrate each other just because... Um, your sister or your brother isn't as good at this as you are, like God has gifted them in this way, mm -hmm. you know, or God has gifted them in a unique, different way. So let, let's celebrate their, that how different we are from each other, you know? Yep. So let's change the, the conversation a little bit to other kinds of pressures. You got yeah. academic pressures, school pressures. What about the rest? There's a lot of like busyness of life pressures, mm -hmm. the sports, mm -hmm. the, uh, the music lessons, the being well-rounded, well-achieved children, <laughs> right? That they pretty much have to be college professors of everything, <laughs> right? Um, and so, but let's, and let's add into that conversation how do you balance that with also because there's a lot of extra church activities? You guys are obviously, each one of you, there isn't a, there isn't a pastor's wife role at Grace Church. Each one of you have, have found your niche and found your ministry mm -hmm. and are following God's calling in your life. Uh, 
so that's not that's so those are very thoughtful decisions on your part as well but how does that with the kids there is activities that happen at church and how much and how do you balance all of that to make a healthy family who wants to go first <laughs> i would say for me okay for our family um we have never forced our kids to really be involved in a certain activity besides coming to church we feel like it's priority you know um yeah they want to sleep in till 11 sometimes but we say no you know but um that's just the way we grew up and it's not bad if you know your kids don't but that's just but um like we found like uh there's things we could have probably forced our kids to do which would have been really good things to try or or disciplines to do but we really want to let them like find their own passions you know and be who they are and it may be something so different than what we ever thought um like, we have one son who's into Lego animation, you know? Like, we would never have thought that, but that's his passion. So he'll spend hours, you know, in the evenings doing that. And um, one is real athletic, you know, and whatever. They all have their own things. But we just want them to, like, encourage who they are and, like, really, like, be their number one cheerleader, you know? And um, show them that they can they can do big things with their passions, you know? But um, we are really heavy, too, on, like, trying to simplify our lives as much as possible. So we would like them to not be involved in more than maybe, you know, one or like maybe a second like church, like a Bible quizzing or something like that, two things. Because with four kids, it gets pretty hectic pretty quick. But, um, you know, everyone's so different with like what they can handle in their lives and how busy their lives are. So I don't think there's a certain, you know, right or wrong way of like how many activities or whatever, but... If it can, you know, if we can still, like, have family time and have time to really, like, have that relationship with your kids where it's not just carting them here and there, I think that's so important because mm-hmm. so it's so easy to lose that. And with four kids, I feel like it's hard to find that time, you know, to spend with each kid, like, that um, just undivided, you know, time with them. Um, so I want to try and make sure I, you know, keep doing that with the activities going on and stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah, I Have, think for us, too, you know, by default, you know, a family of eight or whatever figured out kind of early that we couldn't be the typical family, you know. And I remember, Jeff and I clearly remember this day, getting everybody ready for soccer. The kids must have been, they must have been like from two to eight, you know, and uh, it was just nuts. And we, we thought that this was a good idea for everybody <laughs> to play soccer. And it was some Saturday morning, and we couldn't find cleats. We couldn't find shin guards. We couldn't find anything, and the <laughs> uniforms had to match. And it, we are, like, pulling our hair out, and, like, four of them are, like, crying because they don't even want to go. <laughs> and we're like, wait a second. Something yeah. is wrong in this picture that we've bought the notion that this is what all families do and should do. Um, you can take it. Play soccer. Yeah, we would take him to the soccer <laughs> game. I know we're Brazilian. That's why. That's probably. Yeah. We'd take him to the to the game, and one of them would be picking the dandelions the whole time, and the other, you know, was in tears because they didn't like f- physical contact, and it was just like a disaster. And so I remember at that moment we said, "We're done with this," you know, and we kind of went your way in that it was, let's let them kind of let us know what they're interested in. And uh, now that they're a little older, it's been really fun to see them find their niche. And I think it is cool when they find the one little thing or whatever that they, they want to focus on. And then we will invest into that passion. But it needs to come from them. So we probably have had situations where you've made your kids try something. Mm-hmm. Right? Anybody have the, those examples? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, when Amanda was in high school, uh, she wanted to go out for cross country. So she went out for cross country and um, she went to the first practice. And of course, it was after school. And I went and I picked her up. And when I picked her up and she got in the car, she said, Mom, I am not going to do this because I will not get my homework done. Now, see, she's in eighth grade by now. And she's all of a sudden, remember, fourth or fifth grade saying, yeah. oh, if I study, I'll get good grades. So now she's saying, I need to have time to study. So this cross country, I am not going to do. Hmm. Well, then a few years later, when she was in high school, she, she did cross country again. And she was able to, to balance it all. And to this day, at age 38, she loves to run every day on her treadmill. So it's not, it's like it started then. It wasn't so much that she wanted to do it in eighth grade, but then she sort of learned to balance that out. And she loves, she just loves to run. If she doesn't get a run in, she's not a happy mama of five children. <laughs> And you guys probably all had examples of, like, when they started something or they got halfway into the season, you're like, this is harder than I thought. And mm -hmm. you're like, you're finishing. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What about the other side of, like, they're like, I really love this. Can I do more? And you're like, no. That you pulled them out of that for because of family decisions. Or do you, are there any examples where you, where you had to tell your kid, no, too much? No, we're not going to pick the 17th travel league. Uriah would yeah. want to do every activity with everything, everything every day. So um, we've tried to do the generally one or two things. And I, that's one of the benefits of during doing homeschool. He can do a music lesson during the day or he can do something not taking up an evening. We've tried to tried um, and will continue to try to say um, we're, you can choose something if it's available on the same evening. Mm -hmm. So like we're just kind of running around for we did. And I thought the benefit to doing upward, which they loved and were disappointed that it came to an end um, was that it, the, um, that that became a church activity where they got to see their friends and, and, um, and it had a great emphasis and they were memorizing scripture and talking about um, character development. So it kind of, it was multi-purposed in that it filled the, um, the sports activity and it filled their, um, um, their growth in, in Christ, you know, and it was on the same day, same day. <laughs> and, you know, it had a ton of benefits. So it's, you know, it's, I'd rather just hang out here a couple hours extra than now there were some Saturday mornings <laughs> where my kids are two to eight that it was like pulling teeth to get here by the time we left. See, you had that figured out. It. I didn't, I didn't think about the practices and the fact that I should have requested that all my children like be practicing at the same time. So Jeff and I were all over the place, but we've learned that now and, and it was worth it because our kids absolutely loved it. But one of them didn't want to sign up for Upward and we kind of like, you know, we nudged him. I'm like, you know, just do it. And he ended up thinking it was the greatest thing. So that one worked out. And sometimes kids, I feel like, like we have one who he's like, he's so passionate about soccer, but yet he doesn't want to sign up for that. Like he doesn't want to push himself. So mm -hmm. we have to do it for him. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, at that young age, it's like, you have to just like, you know, what's best for them. You know what their passions are, but they're just being lazy, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever. And it's a work ethic thing. Yeah. Even with things you love, like the discipline of like practicing piano or whatever it is, it's hard. Like, yeah. even if you love it, you know? And so we try to teach them that it's like, you're not going to get anywhere if you just let your passions just, you know, fall to the floor and you don't do anything with it. That's yeah. where sports or creativities or any kind of extracurricular 
curricular activities tie into discipline too. Mm -hmm. It's like if I feel mm -hmm. I use those as discipline. You mm -hmm. don't get if you're not practicing this, you're not going to have your screen time. Right. That it's the same. You know, it's it's discipline of your extracurricular activities. They tie to mm -hmm. discipline. The threat of oh, you're not going to upward is mm -hmm. I will get my work done. Mm -hmm. You know, because mm -hmm. it is a it's a it's a privilege. I think we have a little unspoken thing, too, in that I always think I don't want any one of my children to be taking up too much of the time of everybody else. Mm -hmm. So you can all be involved in stuff, but I pretty much want it to be a equal one-sixth portion <laughs> of my week, you know, so you're not going to consume, you know, 50% of the available time of the family, you know. You have a sixth and a sixth and a sixth. Mm -hmm. So we make sure everything kind of stays balanced because I do have children who would do everything. And I have children who would do nothing. So mm -hmm. We set the policy, too, just you're not going to do some. You can do all the fun trying things that you would like at home, but to join something and commit to something, we just set that. You, you need to be six because the one time we tried something before, it was like, this is a waste of money. Because <laughs> <laughs> those, those activities are expensive, too. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, well... I'm sitting here, and you're not doing the activity that you're supposed to be doing, and yeah. So to summarize, kind of like uh, if I am understanding that you guys balance the like family culture, family time, right? Other values going on. You don't let one one kid. If you have multiple children, you don't let one kid dominate what mm -hmm. the family does, and you also don't let the kids tell the parents what is going to be priorities for our family. So right. just because a kid loves this, you're going to be like. And we're going to balance that with other things. So, like, say, yeah, so even if a kid wanted to be at church all the time, you're like, and we live our life in the world, right? right? <laughs> and we're not going to sit on the couch all day. Mm -hmm. So, right, you kind of balance all of those different mm -hmm. things so that you're, you're building into the character of your kid long term. So mm -hmm. they grow up to be, I hear this, like, the, like, this developmental, like, mindset, involvement of each one of you, like, in, in uh, making those decisions in real time with your kids. Mm -hmm. we, always, we always said that our children joined our family. So for Richard and myself, you know, it was what we had to accomplish. And then if it would fit in with what the family dynamic was, then they could choose these activities. Hmm. So that they didn't think that, you know, the history of the world began the day they were born. It was that yes. they joined us. That's good. That is really good. And this is why we love Lois. Yeah. <laughs> because she's our mentor. Yeah. <laughs> she tells us what to look forward to. Mm -hmm. It's good. I, I found, too, with this that I kind of had to change my own expectations because each activity you get involved in, you, you meet people, kids and other families who are all about mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And so... I have to, for myself and for my kids, just think like, well, we're never going to be all about this mm -hmm. because we always also have um, church and family and other things that are important to our lives. So we're not going to dedicate our whole week to just mm -hmm. one thing ever. And I also want to be okay with kids that are just kind of, I don't know, average. I mean, I feel like, yeah. I feel like everyone expects their kids yeah. to be super, I don't know, accomplished and I mean, the it's best like, at yeah. everything, and I'm like, you know, it's okay if they just do it because it's fun or right. they don't have to be the best or mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's our culture because I think back to when I was a kid, I mean, it's like, why do they want to go to camp when they're, you know, six? It's like I didn't go to camp till I was probably sixth, seventh grade, you know, or like 
Well, I, didn't remember, I don't remember doing much before middle school, but now everything starts so young that you feel that pressure from everybody, you know? So, and you have, you have all of your life to be an adult, but you only yeah. have a small amount of time to be a child. Yeah. And so let them, let them be home, let them mm-hmm. play, let mm-hmm. them try those things at home. So, so let's uh, jump into the subject of dating. So if we talk about, uh, a lot of us have like younger kids and some are approaching teenage years and that becomes a thing. Um, so we probably want to hear from everybody, but uh, the um, Lois, you're the only one that's actually on the other side. <laughs> um, so do you have any advice for, for all of us that are kind of approaching those years of dating? Yeah. Um, for Richard and myself and our family, we wanted to convey to our children what was the purpose of dating. And uh, the purpose of dating isn't just to be doing that because everybody else is, you know, doing the, uh, the dating thing. But it's really to find a mate for your future. And it's not just recreational dating, so to speak. So in order to um, to have like healthy interaction with the opposite sex, you probably want to do a lot of group activities and hey, church is a great place to be able to to do those activities and see people with others and they're going to be acting more natural in those kinds of circumstances. Also, um, in the Song of Solomon, it talks about do not awaken love before it's time. Hmm. So children dating you know, so very early, they're really just dating because, well, that's what everybody else is doing. When Amanda was in third grade, there were kids that said, well, you know, I'm going out with so-and-so. And And we would say, well, Amanda, where are you going? (laughs) Well, we're not going anywhere. You know, we're just going out. Now, of course, she's 38, so I know that, you know, maybe you ladies do that too. But um, it was like, Again, you're awakening love before before it's time. So, um, and when then, did you start that conversation about dating with your kids? Oh, like probably. was it when they were like teenagers oh, or like no, no, yeah. when they were children? Okay, and just um, perhaps if you attended a wedding or someone in the family was getting married, you would talk about what the purpose of marriage was, hmm. and you just we wanted to show them that dating and marriage it's it's like goes together. It's not, again, this recreational thing that, you know, you do because everybody else is doing that. I remember one time we were visiting a family and um, the girls of the family all had boyfriends and Amanda was there and she didn't have a boyfriend. And they said to her, oh, you're the only one who doesn't have a boyfriend. And she told me this afterward, and I said, well, Amanda, how did you feel about that? And she said, are you kidding? I wouldn't date any of those loser boys. <laughs> so it was like she had a high standard yeah. well, of did what you... to look for because we talked about it. Yeah, so do you feel like you guys were able to have an influence on her standards? Definitely. Okay. Uh, different people that we would know in our church or in our acquaintances, we would point out those kinds of people and say, well, what would you think about that particular person? What kind of a husband do you think he would be? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're pointing out to them good qualities. Mm-hmm. You also need to know your children and what they're going to need in their life. 
when Amanda was <laughs> in college, she was dating a fella, and um, we said to her, Amanda, could he ever say no to you? And she said, oh, no, no. I have him wrapped around my little finger. Yeah. <laughs> and we said, because we know her temperament, her personality, and we knew she would need somebody who could say no, Amanda. And when she started dating Bill, he's now her husband of almost 16 years, we said, well, Amanda, do you think Bill could say no to you? Oh, yes. And we thought, <laughs> oh, yeah, he is a keeper. <laughs> we really hope she, you know, that she marries him. So it's, you, you have to talk to your children. And we always did talk about so many things. Mm -hmm. And then Amanda, we would say something to her and she'd say, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. And then she came to me one day and said, mom, do you realize that my friends, their moms don't tell them these things. I have to be you to them. <laughs> so you use the whole so you use the whole dating conversation to to like to let their kids know more about who they are. Who and when you're pointing out people, you aren't like, oh, you know, she's cute or he's cute. You're like right. you're talking about character mm -hmm. and like how that mm -hmm. fits together, right? Mm -hmm. You're like yeah. training them right. to be. Yeah, that's yeah. really excellent. Um, uh, thank you for that. The. Um, it takes a lot of attention. I see like, like what you guys are talking about, like it takes so much attention for, for a mother to know their kids. Like mm -hmm. all of you guys, it came up like dozens of times in each one of these things we talk about. I'm like, well, you have to know them. You have to like be engaged. That takes a huge amount of energy. And like that's not, be, and being a mother isn't like the only thing you are. Like you, you guys are your, your whole people. Um, so I want to shift our conversation a little bit to like um, balancing actually the role of the mother and like how to be a healthy you. Mm. Um, so le probably a part of that is um, probably a subject we can tackle is like is what about the work question to work or not to work? That is the that is the question. Right. So Lori, why don't you kick us off on that? Like you know, so as far as like. Okay. Help. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, I really feel that being a mom is a calling and that if you have a kid, it's part of your calling. <laughs> um, and that I try to view it, like Lois was saying earlier, in a big picture lens that I'm um, reaping, I'm going to reap all of my grand efforts one day when my grand yeah, children, hope, yeah, when they <laughs> yeah. marry well or, you know, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but to, I, I think a lot of us at one point have focused a lot of our attention to staying at home with our kids. And also a lot of us have um, do or have worked outside of the home. Um, I think the major focus for me is I want um, whatever, and even ministry, it's like a lot of our time and a lot of our energy, even though um, sometimes we're the tag along or we're just here to support our husbands. It is a commitment mm -hmm. um, outside of mothering. Um, but I want the major focus of my heart to be into my kids. However you prioritize the hours, however you prioritize the weeks, um, the main calling for me is raising them up, is discipling them, is knowing them. Um, that's the main purpose of mothering for me. But I work outside the home and... Um, I love I love what I do, 
It, um, well, what do you do? I, I work as an interpreter for the deaf, um, and I also tutor at the homeschool co-op. So I have multiple side jobs um, that I love, and I love the flexibility that it brings because I can say yes to interpreting when it's available, and I can say no when I can't do it. Um, and I love, it's an adventure. It's like freedom for two hours, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I come home and my kids missed me. If I, you know, if I never leave, so, you know, I'm always the bad guy. I'm always the, you know, that's all I am to them. You know, and sometimes I see that it, um, they have, they value what I do. You know, they, they have a cultural experience because they meet deaf people or they meet people who have a different background than them, you know, and so... And I want them to know um, more than anything that being a mom is valuable and that if, if um, in culture's eyes, if it's not as valuable, I want them to know that the, um, the biblical model of motherhood is that one day Jesus will say to us as moms, well done, you, you poured your heart into this, you know, and you were faithful to raise them up and... Um, because somebody is going to spend their time with your kids, yeah. whether they're away from you or with you. Somebody, hope you know, is going to invest in them. And I really, um, I see that that is a calling for me to raise. It's my ministry to raise them up and to be that person for them. And what I hear you saying is that your calling and your focus is is to build on your kid. That well done at the end comes whether or not you work or not work, or whether or not they turn out perfect. It's like that, yeah. the, which they won't, but that the Lord's asked me to do this and I want to be faithful with it. And um, working is part of that, you know, for us, for our family at this time. Sometimes I work two hours a month. Sometimes I work way more. You know, it just kind of depends on what's going on in ministry and what's yeah. going on in our personal lives too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I it's feel feast like or famine. With, in, in interpreting, it's feast or famine. You're there <laughs> and it's go, go, go or, you know. I think it's such a struggle, like, for a lot of moms, like, balancing home and your, your wifely duties and motherly duties or whatever, um, and then your passions and um, things like that. And I feel like, for me, it, it's been a struggle, like, all the way through because I had kids right, like, during college, and then so right out of college, I never really had a chance to pursue a career. And so it was always— um, just like a battle for me, like staying home and being all there, 100% mentally. And so I guess for me, I was always thinking the grass was greener, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, about a year and a half ago, I had interviewed for a job, and I ended, they ended up offering me an, a different kind of full-time job. And for me, I, I felt like it was the Lord saying, this is not the right time, you know. And so— I feel like for everybody, it's so different, but I feel like you have to listen to what God is telling you personally. And then I took a um, a few days a week to work for this company. And I mean, it was great, but it just, I felt like even that, it, the stages where my kids are, it just felt like it was all of my margin time. And I just wasn't willing to give it up. And so um, since then, I've gotten more creative and how, I can use my own passions and um, help contribute to the family in different ways. And by doing that, I found for me, it's been so fulfilling because it's um, it's not infringing on um, my family in any way. And just, I feel like we all have different capacities. I just didn't have the capacity to do that. So 
it's but it's been so healthy for me and healthy for my kids to see me doing things that I love hmm. and see the other people value things that I do too for them to see that so I think there is such value in um, uh, pursuing things that you love and maintaining that mentally healthy you know state and sometimes that may through be through work and but I feel like like you're saying Laura like it's so good to you know realize that that calling is like so important and just to see the the value in that and for me it took going to work a few days a week to kind of get more perspective on you know that that is so important and that like I want to be all there for them even in the teenage years it's like you want to be there for them you know mentally and it's not as much physical but it's like I want to be present in their lives you know so it's always a battle though I think for everybody you know so did you feel like some of, even some of the financial freedoms that you had, like mm-hmm. when you work, obviously that's extra income, and you thought, well, we can do all these fun things that we wanted to with our family, but you felt like that wasn't a good trade-off. Yeah, it just... The financial trade-off to the... No, you know what, and I think for me now, we have a 15-year-old and we have a 3-year-old, so I feel like the perspective now is has changed so much because I see him growing up and I see him leaving in a few years. Mm-hmm. So I see that value of time mm-hmm. so clearly now. Mm-hmm. Where when they were little, I just, you know, you feel like it's never going to end and you just don't realize that your decisions, like, you know, have bigger consequences or whatever that they do. And then, so now I see, you know, I see the hard work, like you guys were just saying before, you know, you see it paying off and it's like, I want to keep working hard during these important years, you know? So, yeah, it just, I felt like it wasn't weighing out. It just, you know, yeah. just for where I am right now, you know? So it's going to be work, whether you're at home or doing or in or outside the home, right? Yes. What, whatever it is, every, you guys are always working. What about share uh, briefly the rest of you with the with the other moms? Like, where are you at with the work thing? I've always done a little something, and it's it's changed. You know, when I had little little kids, babies, I worked uh, for four hours on a Saturday morning as a chemical dependency counselor. You know, to a bunch of kids who would get in trouble, and then they'd send them to me. It was lovely. Uh, no, but I actually really enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed a challenge, you know, so part of me with work is satisfying that part of me that just likes to tackle something and tackle it, you know, with gusto. And, and then we've um, had our Labrador breeding business for 22 years now, and that's just been something that started out of necessity um, and it's grown to something that we really enjoy and are pretty passionate about. Um, but that's been great because we can weave it with, most of the time, we can weave it with our family schedule. Um, and lately I've been working for um, a gym for Advanced Performance CrossFit, and that's been a lot of fun too. But, you know, I'm at the stage now where my oldest, he'll be a senior this year. And my, um, my fourth son, Gabriel, will probably be homeschooled this last year. And so I'm like you, Tara. I'm, I want to take it all in, you know, and so I'm being rather selfish of my time with my family right now because I know it's going to go too quickly. So er, anything that I'm taking on is with that in mind. You know, Mm -hmm. is this really important? Because the bottom line is, you know, our marriage, my relationship with the Lord, our marriage, and our children are the priorities. And then anything else after that. You find that work Mm -hmm. and you make work kind of fit in or if you need extra income in a certain phase Mm -hmm. of life, those things fit around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Probably the reason I think of uh, working outside your home is if financially you need to do that, which would be um, the case for many people, 
Or you have to ask yourself, am I working just for more gadgets or more vacations or, you know, that type of thing? Because everybody would always like a little oh, more. Wouldn't it be oh, great sure. if we had a little more? Yes. Yeah. And we, you know, you never have enough, right. I guess, is how you always feel. But you need to learn to be content. But that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Or else, um, do are you working to escape the responsibilities of uh, children? And um, if you have children, I um, knew a girl who said to me, and she was a teacher, and said to me, uh, it's a lot easier for me to go and teach someone else's children than to stay home and take care of my own children. So I felt that was um, a little bit sad on her part. But um, I did work before we had children, and then um, I was able to be home for 17 mm -hmm. years. Um, again, I, I was a teacher. And um, when our daughter was facing college, it was really a financial necessity for me to be able to um, go to work. And um, we as a family had decided that for us, we wanted to help our children uh, go to college. So that was why I went to work and to help our, our children with that. Hmm. Great. I think... Um it's important to know yourself. I love how families solve this in a bunch of different ways and even just how many stay-at-home dads there are now. I think it's super cool. Um, I've discovered about myself um, that I, I'm a, like a design artist type and if I don't have a project to pour my creative energies into, I kind of start to wither away um, and I, I kind of need a little bit of that in my mix to be kind of like a healthy person. Um, so years when I just stayed at home with the kids, I would kind of, I struggled a lot with being discouraged and, and things like that. So I had to find those creative outlets. And for me right now, I'm able to do that as kind of like a part-time, flexible side job, interior design from home. And um, it's been like a real privilege to be able to kind of add that into my mix and make a little extra money on the side too. But I, I, there's a little part of me that loves being a professional. And I know that can be a hard transition for some women who are coming full time from the workplace and they have this identity as a professional. Mm -hmm. um, it's really hard to kind of make that shift. Um, for me, I've discovered I need to keep a little bit of that in my mix just so I feel like me, you know, and I think that's okay, you know. I, and so right now I'm kind of in this, you know, I don't know, stage where I'm literally during the day I'm, I'm at a meeting with architects and I'm dressed up and I'm being this professional and I literally, like, get in my minivan and go pick up my kids and <laughs> hang out with this moms from school. Like, I'm flipping all the time, but I, I love that. I feel like a whole person when I have that in, in the mix. So I think work does that for me. It's good. Along the theme of uh, being a healthy person, obviously the marriage is a big part of that. Like keeping your, um, uh, talk a little bit or give some advice on like how to keep a healthy marriage during some of the stressful times of life. Run away. <laughs> Run away. Run away. And don't From feel bad about it. No, I <laughs> mean, as a couple. As yeah. a couple. Oh, okay. With your husband. I think that's what I meant. Yeah, but he didn't. Okay, I guess. <laughs> no, seriously, Jeff and I have discovered this over the past few years, that if we run away together, <laughs> um, that that's a very good thing. And we try to carve out some time every year where we could, even if it's, you know, when they were real little, even if it was overnight, right. you know, somewhere. 
um, it just kind of reminds you of like why you married that person. Mm -hmm. That like when all the stresses of life go away and you're just sitting across the table from each other having dinner and the candles lit, you're like, oh, I really do like this person, (laughs) you know? Um, But sometimes in the mix when we're parenting and all the pressures come in, it's sometimes we don't even recognize our mate because we're, it's just so much. So we've made that a habit and we make sure we get away, we run away. Um, and now our children, a little older, we've even like left them, the th- you know, the three older ones. That's a big milestone. And yeah. we came back, the house was still standing and they were all alive. So it was great. So I definitely recommend some kind of getaway. That's cool. Um, yeah. yeah. I think too, it's having, uh, an intimate and awesome marriage is something fabulous to give to your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, They see, I want our home and to be a place that Ryan wants to run home to, you know? Mm -hmm. So then they're seeing that um, modeled, Oh, mom does care. My mom does care that um, to make this place warm and inviting, not just for guests, not just for, but for our, for our marriage too. And, I mean, just practical, trying to have a date night when you can, you know. Mm-hmm. Ours are sometimes afternoon, super short, you know. But, hey, you got you to take what you can, right? Yeah. yeah, it's because the children joined, uh, usually the children join you after, you know, the two of you have gotten married and, and, and you, you have this relationship. And believe me, they will leave. And then you're like, oh, now what? So that's why you need to keep that relationship going. And even in the midst of all the, you know, taking care of, I keep looking at you for like little children, Mm -hmm. uh, you still, you're a wife first. Mm -hmm. And I think it is so important that children feel very um, secure when they see mom and dad having their time and, um, having a good relationship. It just, I always felt real secure when my parents would kiss each other. Not that they were making out or anything, (laughs) but they would just kiss each other. And it was just like, oh, like all's right with the world because my mom and dad love each other. So it's just, they will leave, ladies. They will leave. (laughs) And then you'll be sitting here as grandparents. (laughs) The other ways, ways you guys connect. I feel like, um, it's so good to be like um, each other's cheerleaders and encourage each other to like pursue your passions too and have your kids see that. Like my husband will be like, Just, I'm ordering you go up in your studio for a few hours, please, you know? Yeah. And I'll say, hey, you need to go fishing on your day off, you know? Like, we'll, <laughs> And then finding things to do together, you know? Like this year we've just, we found something that's so it's bizarre, but we found like we like art lectures, like people that lecture. About. So we've been doing that together on dates. And it's really fun. It's like <laughs> just finding weird whatever you can find things that you can both you know like we have a hard time finding things we both enjoy he's an outdoor guy i'm a city person you know so we found something we both kind of enjoy so you know oh yeah (laughs) but anyway i don't know it's just finding things that you can do together and even if it's escaping like right now it's nice we can leave the kids at home say hey we're gonna be gone for a couple hours but yeah it was harder when they were little and that is one of my big regrets of, like, not caring for our marriage like we should have during the really tough years when they were little. You feel like, oh, we'll get to it some year. You know, like, we'll get—and we didn't go away. We didn't make 
dating a priority and you got to keep dating your spouse. It's like, I realize the value of that, you know? So it's really hard to fit in. It is so I mean, hard, it's, but it's, it's one so of those many other it. pressures, but. Mm-hmm. And we found like just the last two years or so, we, um, we try and go away twice a year, just one night or whatever. So we go December and May. So we, we mark it down and it has been like the healthiest thing for us. Because usually around six months, you start to feel it again. You're like, we really need some time away. Mm-hmm. It always, you know, it's about six months. And I remember, like, when the kids were little, just even go once a year would have been amazing, you know? But we could have made it happen. We just didn't make it a priority. So I just think it's, yeah, just like you were saying, really important to run away. So, <laughs> yeah. you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's the same, carving out time. It's, you have to be so intentional. Our kids are all in school all day for the first time this year, so we've gotten in the habit of going out to breakfast once a week, and it's great. It's like you don't have to get babysitting. It's a cheap date. And when you, when you hang out at home, you get distracted by so many things. Like That's the time that we get to sit and talk. And I feel like that's becoming more of a rarity because our kids are getting older and also need time to talk with us when we're all home together. So I feel like time, just the two of us, is, is even more critical now. So that's kind of we, what we do. Yeah, so strong marriages. You guys would all be pro-strong marriages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's kind of finish up our, our time with, with all this. And I want to finish up with, like, if you guys have kind of a piece of advice for moms, whether they're doing great or whether they're struggling. Um, I just want to kind of go, go around the circle and uh, give moms a, a piece of advice to kind of cap out, cap off our time. Well, Lois, why don't we just start with you? Well, Grace Church is known for its know it, live it, and give it away. So I would suggest that we need to know our children. You need to study them. You need to be a student of your child. And again, no matter how many children you have, if you have one or if you have six, does anybody have more than six at our church? No, I'm sure. And so you have to study, study your children. And then you need to um, live it. You need to live life with them, which takes time. And that goes with all the different activities we were talking about living life, have fun with your children, enjoy them. Sometimes it's easier to enjoy your children than not. And then we want to give them away because we want to uh, be training mature people to go out, leave our nest, go out into the world and be able to do the cycle again for them to be able to marry, have children, know them, to be able to live life with them, and then again, give them away. So um, I think it's important for uh, us when we have adult children to be encouraging to our children. And I think after your children leave your home, that's when you can become a friend with them. Hmm. You can't really be friends with your children when they're in your home. You're really uh, over them. You are their, their head. But after they leave, you can become friends and uh, just have really a different relationship, one that hopefully you can encourage them in their life with um, wherever they may be. Um, if they're married, uh, if they have children, 
um, you know, helping with just their dreams and ambitions in life and encouraging them. Um, an encouragement for moms, I would say, um, I'm still, I'm still in the young years, um, just moving out of that, but I, there have been some desperate nights, some sleepless, desperate hours, and if I can just encourage you to have something like this, um, we, we have each other, and we um, come to each other in our own struggles, and say, how did you do this? If you can have um, some kind of community of, of moms so that you're not alone. Um, that has helped me um, in hard nights or in, in hard days of discipline, of exhaustion, of am I, am I doing this? Am I alone? Oh, no, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. um, that would be something I would say if you can find um, or seek that out in your life group or with other moms at Grace because um, that has been so beneficial to me and just the vision of... Um, that you guys were saying, if you can see that this is fa this is going to be fast, um, even though those nights seem really long, <laughs> it's going to be. Um, I don't have any regrets for the times that I sat down and invested in my kids. You know, I don't have regrets for the times that I stayed up a little later and listened to their hearts and um, and shared that some that something unique and special thing instead of said, "Okay, go to bed. It's time for bed. I'm done." You know, I don't regret. Um, those extra times where they they felt that I really cared about who they were. That's good. Well, I think I have a couple things. Um, one is going to sound very pastor's wifey, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but for real, uh, I think having your priorities, you know, your relationship with the Lord first, your marriage, your parenting, your ministry, and everything else. And, of course, your ministry is part of all of that, you know. Um, but I think if, if our relationship with the Lord is healthy and we're, we're seeking that, it'll trickle down to our marriage. If our marriage is healthy and we're intentional about that, it's going to trickle down to our children, you know. And if our parenting is healthy and our family's in a good place, it's going to affect our ministry. So it's a lot easier said than done, you know, because a lot of times we want to focus on what's right in front of us, which is usually the children. You know, and then we forget about the spouse and then we forget about our relationship with the Lord, you know, but if we can keep that in mind. Um, and then I think the other thing I would say is let go of the E word. And, and we've talked about this in our group and the E word is expectations. You know, we, we so are consumed with what other people's expectations of us might be as a mom, as a wife, as, you know, whatever, in that we let that define us a lot of times and it's, a, it's too much pressure so I think we just need to let go of that expectation that everybody else has of us and just focus on, you know, what is it that God wants from me? And then everything else kind of works itself out from there. Um, for me, I would say I have like two words that come to mind. First is like honesty. I feel like during those times that I felt trapped, like when they were little and everything, like being honest with the Lord with how I was feeling because you're like crying on your pillow sometimes. You're just like, I can't do this. Just like laying it out and being honest with your husband, like about where you are, not just keeping it all inside. And then, Lori, like we were saying with other women that can like relate and just not pretend to have it all together And because everybody is in the same boat, you know? Um, and another word that comes to my mind is identity and like not finding your identity in um, what you do or anything, but just who you are in Christ and like... Um, 
I feel like those are the hard times when it was like, I felt like a mommy robot. You know, I'm just like, this is all I do all day, da 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 da, poor me. But it's like, no, like, just thinking about it in a different perspective, you know, just God's created you in so many unique ways. And like, um, I don't know. I feel like those are two big things that, yeah, come to my mind. Um, I thought of just faith. I feel like when I'm discouraged or I feel kind of pushed around by other people's expectations or how they parent and I start to feel guilty, um, I just try to remember that God like intricately made my kids Mm. and he like intricately made me Mm. to be their mom. Like before they're even born, he gave me the qualities that I would need to be their mom. And Mm. I'm the most qualified person to be their mom and to make like us together, make decisions for their lives. And um, I think when I can remember that, I can kind of, stay confident in our convictions and our decisions we're making and just see vision for, I don't know, the, the depths of what's going on as parenting. It's, it's deep and it's important. That's awesome, guys. Thank you so much for sharing your time. I know that uh, Moms of Grace Church and everywhere, like, love that you guys would invest your time like this. Getting you guys all at the same time in the same room <laughs> is pretty phenomenal. Um, and uh, I know that you guys, I know that you are, you are praying for them. I know that you care for them. And uh, I just want to say thanks so much. And, um, and I'm sure that if you guys see, see these guys around Grace Church, they would love to talk more about any of this stuff and more. And so they're, um, they're incredible ladies. And I know that you'll be uh, happy to get to know them more.